Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. From the 5th Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, happy Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. We're going to talk to um, Coach Rice. Um, Two-part two part, um, episode, and this is again a rewind one. This is this is one of my favorites. Um, Coach Rice was able to connect me with lots of coaches over the last three or four years too, that have made some great podcasts. But this is one of my favorites. That's why I wanted to do a rewind on a weekend here. So episode nine thirty four with Coach Rice. But before we do that, I like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Doctor Dish. Um, what I love about the people is they're so innovative. I can't imagine what they're going to come up with in the next five to 10 years. But before that, if you want your team to become better shooters, go buy a Dr. Dish. You want them to be able to score better, go buy a Dr. Dish. Mention Coach Unplugged and you get $350 off. If you want to work on your craft, if you want to get better, we always tell our players to work on their craft. Well, I'm telling you, you should be working on your craft. Teachhoops.com is the answer for that. Come over and join us. 14-day free trial, like I said, we're the only ones out there that offer a 14-day free trial um, because that's how much we believe in this product and believe in the community that we're building. So come over. It's got everything you want, videos, handouts, everything um, in one spot. It's a roadmap for you to become a better basketball coach. Come over and check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. Um, Today, we're going to be talking with a um, coach, a psychologist, Tim Rice, who's had a very unique journey. Um, I think you'll really enjoy this kind of, uh, you know, he's had a very, I'll just say he's had a great journey, not only in coaching basketball, but dealing with the psyche of the basketball coaches and players. I think you're going to enjoy it. All right. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. I never put it at the intro, but I'm, I'm happy. And this is, I can honestly say probably my latest podcast. So it's just, this is 10, 10 PM my time. Um, but we're really excited to be talking to coach. Tim Rice today. Tim, how are you? I'm doing really well. Um, so again, I do these. The kind of my my uh, the way I do these is I don't really like to talk to people before I do them because I find this very conversational. 
Um, so what I would like you to do is kind of tell us a little bit about your coaching journey, kind of, you know, just reading your resume this afternoon after school and, um, you know, kind of your journey. You have a very unique journey. So if you could just share it with everybody that's listening. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I got started, um, right out of high school. I was, um, I went to a junior college at Enterprise State Junior College in Enterprise, Alabama in 1988. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I was, a uh, as a student in high school, I, I pretty much did not give uh, a care about my academics, unfortunately, and I uh, ended up um, uh, going to live with my dad in Enterprise, Alabama, and uh, I took a class, a bowling class, the summer of 1988. The teacher was Sid Elliott, and Sid played at Tennessee and was the head basketball coach at Enterprise State, and I started talking to him and said, hey, uh, you know, I'm interested in being involved in, in the athletic program here. And he's like, well, we, you know, we have a manager scholarship and, you know, that we can offer someone. And of course, when I heard that, I, I jumped at the chance and, um, you know, was involved for two years there at, at Enterprise and then had the opportunity to go to uh, Mobile College in Mobile, Alabama, it's now NAI. Well, I was uh, NAI then, but now known as University of Mobile. And I was a student assistant for Dr. Bill Elder, who, uh, you know, won nearly 600 games at Mobile and Montevallo and uh, now Alabama. And, you know, NAI Hall, same guy. And, you know, I learned, he's my mentor, I learned a ton from him. And, you know, when I graduated in 1993, I kind of started the journeyman uh, approach to coaching. I've, you know, lived all over the United States since then. I uh, was a high school coach at Faith Academy in Mobile, Alabama for a year, then went to uh, Owatonna, Minnesota in uh, 1994 and uh, served for two years at a small Christian college called Pillsbury College uh, up there. Um, and, you know, met my wife, Candy. Uh, she jumped on the journey with me. Um, and uh, we ended up uh, from there going uh, to Kansas City, Missouri, Williamstown, Massachusetts, Grove City, Pennsylvania, Hiram, Ohio, Denver, Colorado, and uh, now uh, down in Texas. And also, we were in Ireland for uh, eight months last year doing some consulting as well. So uh, it's been a, quite the adventure. Um, fortunately for me, you know, I, I went out and, uh, you know, did better as a student, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> at the uh, graduate and doctoral levels. And so, you know, I ended up uh, earning a doctorate in sports management in 2005. And, um, you know, I, I do consulting with uh, my company, Basketball Mentoring. And then I also uh, am a consultant with Basketball Ireland, um, where I basically am uh, with the elite performance committee within Basketball Ireland. And we are overall the governing of the national team program there uh, that plays in the European Championships every year, the FIBA Championships. So, uh, had a, a lot of uh, cool experiences, met a lot of great people for the last oh, 25 years. Well, you know, and I, and I look at this, first of all, I'll hire you tomorrow because I'm looking at this resume. Oh my goodness. But, um, so you, you taught, you were a golf coach too. And what I have found among coaches is coaches and teachers are, are, are virtually the same thing. And that, and sure. that most, most of us have done our fair share of more than just basketball at some point in our career. And I, and I think it right. makes us, I think it makes us, you know, it makes us better coaches. I really do. Um, you know, being well, a, I would say, you know, the one, one thing I would say about it, uh, Steve, is that, 
you know, I, I look at it like John Wooden looked at it. You know, he, he never really considered himself a coach. He always thought of himself as a teacher. And right. uh, when I get on the court, I, you know, whether it's on the court, the course, or, you know, wherever it might be, um, you know, because I've coached cross country, I've coached soccer, I've, you know, been a director of athletics, a sports integration director, whatever. But I've always felt like when, when you get into a practice setting that that's one of the greatest classrooms that a young person could go into because you have an opportunity to impact tons of people for a lifetime. And uh, it's an important classroom. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, you, you, in this business, and you know this very well, um, as do most of the people that are listening to this podcast, that, you know, you have to wear a lot of hats yeah. and you have to be extremely versatile. Yeah. You do. And, and, and you're kind of the first person to bring this up. So I want to come back and talk about the sports psychology part because I'm married to a psychologist. Sure. So at some point I want to come circle back to that. But go, right. kind, of, kind of talking about the point you just talked about, you know, as a, as a high school coach, as someone that's played, all those kind of things, you know, obviously I have every hat. If you watch the, the, the Hurley thing on Showtime right now, he's 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 doing the floors from the jersey. You do everything, you know, you're a dad, you're sure. a psychologist. You're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a little bit of everything. Um, and I yeah. think that's such an important part of, I have the same thing in my classroom. It's just, it's such an important part that I think people maybe don't see the importance of it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, I, you know, well, there, the, the thing that makes, well, I believe this, you know, I, I was in the business world for a couple of years. Um, after my uh, head coaching role at Hiram College ended in 2006. And, you know, the, the things that I learned as a coach for all those years really transferred extremely well into uh, the world that I went into, which was in the sales world, the fundraising world. And, you know, when you're able to juggle as much as you do, yeah. um, you know, as a coach, I mean, right. if you don't, you know, the best ones do, you know, the, the folks that, uh, I think a lot of people look at coaches and they think, you know, it's such a glamorous life and, and it's fun. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Right. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, but yeah. you know, yeah, it's fun. But, but at the same time, it's a lot of work. It's, it's a lot of sacrifice. And, you know, I think a lot of people think about when they're watching television and they see that coach, and I think every young coach had, had thought this, I know I did, you know, walk across that court, you know, to go shake the hand of the other opposing head coach and you're in your nice suit and tie and, Everybody's right. looking at you, and then you figure out that there are only a couple hundred people in the stands. It's that, um, and right. you realize that it's not about that. So it's not. It's not. But yeah, hats. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I was going to say. You know, I, I, I think that you know, being you know, wearing a bunch of you know, we wear a bunch of hats, but it makes us better in the classroom. It makes us better examples for those people that we are teaching and coaching. Um, and and I think that that that's been the thing that has just been impressed upon me over the last five years, especially considering many of my athletes who I recruited as a college assistant and as a college head coach are now in their mid thirties and their parents and they're successful. And I'm like, man, when did I get old? Um, right. But, no, I didn't think, I think Facebook should be banned for coaches. Cause all of a sudden I see the, <laughs> I, I, I think of those, I think of the young men and the young women I coach and I just think of them at that age, like that snapshot. And then all of a sudden I see, yeah, them doing things with their kids, like, oh, my gosh, where'd the time go? Um, what I think people don't really understand, yeah. too, is they see the TV. And they, don't, they don't see that, you know, I, I could make I could make more working at a convenience store than I make coaching high school basketball. 
I don't do it. Yeah. I don't do it for the money, and I don't definitely don't do it for the glamour. I think everybody has, right. that, you know, Calipari, Stevens, Coach K kind of thing that they see on TV. Well, those guys are in it for glamour. That's a billion dollar industry. We're in it to just yeah, shape our lives. You know, that's what I think. Sometimes people lose that perspective. Um, well, and and I and I'll just take it back. You know, I'll take it back to 1994, and when I moved to Owatonna, Minnesota, you know, the guy I came up to work with, a guy named Scott Williams, and Scott, you know, uh, assisted Eldon Miller in Northern Iowa, right. and you know, he he, uh, you know, I I met him when I was a student assistant at Mobile College, because he was an assistant coach for us. And, he gave me the opportunity to come up and I'll never forget driving up with my buddy from Alabama. Of course, I'd never been that far North, you know, and, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect and went up there and, you know, he's like, Hey, I got this great deal for you. I, you know, I'll get you, I'll give you a meal card, an apartment, and I'll get you a job at the Nike factory store in Medford, Minnesota, which was like 10 minutes down the road. And, and I remember just going, well, where do I sign up? You know, right. I, I don't necessarily, I think it's changed a lot over the last couple of years. I think people look at it for the, the glamour and they don't necessarily, the young folks don't understand that it takes a whole heck of a lot of work and it right. takes sacrifice. And, you know, I jumped in my car and drove, you know, to Minnesota. I didn't get it paid for, you know, <laughs> I just went right. up there and I felt like it was going to, it made a huge difference in my career. I wouldn't be where I'm at now if I had not made that jump. There's no right. way. And I and I, I think this goes back to the business part that you were talking about. I think a lot of it is 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 networking. You learn, you know. I think of my I think of my journey, and before I got my before I moved down one seat, I always talk about moving down one seat on that bench. There's a big difference between moving one seat over. Um, I had a oh, lot. Of, yeah. <laughs> there's a big difference. Uh, but all assistants, no, the assistants never think there is, but there is. But I learned so much oh, yeah. from all the great coaches that I was an assistant under. That, you know, right. I think, I, I don't think people are patient enough and they're not willing to, you know, you know, I, I think I had six head coaches I was under and I took a little bit of each of them and that became, who, and then I took a little bit, of, probably a bigger part of who I was. And then I put that all together and that's who I became as a coach. Um, you know, right. I think people read books and they want to be the next coach K and there's only one coach K, you know, <laughs> you got to figure out what your well, secret sauce is. Well, and, 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 and to, to kind of jump on that a little bit, you know, if you look back to the late 90s when Patino was at Kentucky and how, how Coach Patino's teams played, you know, they're up and right. down the floor, they're pressing all over the place. And, and I just remember as a young coach at that time uh, thinking, well, I want to be just like Coach Patino. I want to do everything the way he does it. And you do really have to figure out who you are as a person. I think many coaches don't think about that enough. I think they try to be uh, – another version of someone else when the best version of, you know, they, they can be the best version of themselves and, and just be themselves. I think that that's the one thing if I were, if anyone's listening, you know, if, if you're a young coach, be true to yourself. I mean, honestly, that, that to me is the one thing, if I could go back and change anything, it would, would be that totally. Right. Would. And, it, and it would be because I, it's similar to your, your, my classroom is some years we have to spend more time on one specific math topic than another. Like this year, yeah. I had a team this year that we ended up making it to the state semifinals. And I think, I think we held teams in the forties. Well, you know, 12 years ago when I had a future NBA guy, we were up and down the court, like, you know, as many possible possessions we could have. You, you got to kind of, right. you have to adjust to your classroom, your players. Some years you can do once, 
you know, it's great to have a system, but you have to be able to tweak the system, at least in my opinion. Um, so oh, I agree with you. Yeah. 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 Let's go back to, I, I want you to talk about the importance of sports psychology um, and, and kind of tell me sure. what, what kind of what you've done. And, and the Ireland thing really intrigues me, what you were doing over in Ireland. And then we'll, we can talk about it from my standpoint. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I have a doctorate and I have it in sport management from the United States Sports Academy, Daphne, Alabama. And, uh, but I did my dissertation on um, a sports psychology uh, topic. Um, and I've been a, a practicing sport psychology professional. Heck, I think every coach kind of is somewhat, <laughs> you know, but um, I, you know, you have to be here. I think that's what makes uh, the great coaches the great ones. I mean, honestly, um, but the, I, I, I uh, look before you go too far. I, I think, I, I think that's one of my strengths is I think I read 15 to 18 year old boys really well. I mean, part of it is that oh, yeah. psychology part of how do I convince them of things they don't want to be convinced of? How do I, you know, get them to play together rather than as individuals, all these things, all these things that are pulling them in different directions, you know, how is it? Yeah. Like, what kind of psychology can I use to be able to do that? But keep going. I'm sorry. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as I am. Please subscribe and like. Uh, leave those five-star reviews. Those one-star reviews you can you can leave in your pocket. But go over to Apple and Spotify and wherever you leave reviews or wherever you listen and, and, and tell us what you're thinking. Um, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. 14-day free trial. Um, the one-stop shopping. The Netflix for basketball coaches. Um, and then also go over and check out our other podcasts, uh, Teacher Side Gig and High School Hoops. P part of the, I love saying this, part of the coach market media conglomerate. Go over and check it out and let's head back to the podcast. Well, yeah, no, no, that's fine. No, I, you know, for me, uh, I've looked at the, what I do. I, I'm a, a, you know, a lead faculty member for the University of the Rockies, which is an online school in Denver, Colorado. And I teach master's and doctoral students in sport and performance psychology. And a number of my students are actually working with NCAA teams and, you know, a couple of major ones. Uh, one of my students, Stu Singer, works with University of Maryland women's team, um, right. Brenda Freese. And so you, you, uh, the thing you have to do, it, it's kind of like being in sales. You know, you have to sell your players on, you know, kids these days. I mean, when we were growing up, we couldn't – kids haven't necessarily changed – <laughs> I think the approach to meeting kids has, has changed within the coaches. Like right. we have to, you know, when we were growing up, if a coach said, you do this, then you, you just did it, right. you know, and that was it. Yep. Kids these days want to know why, right. well, why are we doing this coach? Right. And so for me, when it comes down to teaching and, and utilizing sports psychology, I use the Socratic method within my teaching. And, you know, I ask a lot of questions of my players. I don't just say, okay, this is how it's going to be. I ask them, why do we chop our feet on a closeout? Like I, right now I'm working with a club team, the Texas Sharpshooters up in Austin, and there's a bunch of seventh graders. You know what I mean? And I'll, tell, I'll ask them, why are, we, why are we chopping our feet on a closeout? And I ask, and I, I point around and say, answer, give me something. Right. And I have them talk because the, the thing is, if they can understand it and they can verbalize it, then it's not an issue of me saying, well, because a lot of coaches and teachers for that matter, don't really think about, you know, what is in the mind of a kid or what's in the mind of a student. They think, well, well, I taught it already and they should get it. 
But yes. ultimately, in, in, in order for them, to, in order for us to really reach our goals as teachers and leaders, we have to know that they're doing it and they understand it. And the only right. way we can do that is to ask questions. So right. um, for me, for me, I utilize a lot of uh, visualization stuff. I use uh, one of the things that's really a major issue with players is, is negative self-talk. And, you know, I, I, I do free this thing at the, the end of every practice. Line is true. Yeah. You, you just had, I, that was where I was heading next. I'm sorry. <laughs> at the end of practice. No, no, no. You're, you're reading my mind here. Yeah. But we were like at the end of every practice, I do this thing called pick me ups. It's a free throw shooting team thing that we finish every practice on. We put everybody at the baseline and I'm the official and they, they start from the left baseline and come out to the free throw line. I give them the ball when they say, thank you, sir. Um, because I want, I want to get into the psychology of the referee too. Right. And I will give them the ball. They'll, if they make the free throw, they go to the end of the line on the right side of the uh, baseline. And, uh, or if they miss, then the next person has to pick them up. And I really talk about how important it is to really think about that, not only in a practice, but to transfer that in a game. And, you know, if a kid misses a shot, my kids on the bench are like, pick us up, man, pick us up. You know, that's a big thing. Another thing that I do with ter- in terms of visualization is I will put, I'll have three players in the free throw uh, drill. I put one player under the basket, looking underneath the basket. I have a rebounder and I have a shooter. And every time I got this from Steve Lamy at Grove city, when I was his assistant out in Pennsylvania, when the person shoots a free throw, it goes through that rim And the person that's on the floor looks at that ball going through the rim and they visualize and see how small the ball is compared to the rim and, and really get a feeling. And I'll, I'll go and help them up. I'll say, what did you see? And I just have them talk. And then we rotate person. The rebounder goes to the floor. Person shoots goes to the rebound and so on. I'm trying to visualize where everyone's lined up. So there's a person shooting a free throw. There's a person rebounding where the rebounders off to the side. That's correct. Yep. And then the pers- the the other person that's looking are they directly under the basket? Are they laying down? Where where are they? That's they're the laying down. They're laying down. Yep. Okay. And they're they're laying down, looking there. straight to the rim. Okay. Yep. That's a great trick. And it, 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 it yeah, it's it's simplistic, but you know the thing is, it gives the, the thing is so many, and you know this as well as anyone. You know, you can almost fit. You know, you can fit three women's balls in a rim. Right. You know, two men's. That ball is so small compared to the rim, but so many times kids think that ball is so big, and we have to do our part to do that. The other thing about free throws, and I'll jump off this, is when I have a kid go to the free throw line, I will say, what are you thinking? Coach, I just don't want to miss. I said, you can't think that way. You have to go up there with a routine. You have to go up there with a clear, like clearing the mechanism, going up there, and truly believing that that ball is going to go in. And really trying to get them to really focus on positive self-talk talk Talk that they're not, you know, saying out loud, although there's some kids that might, but you know, I, I, I think it's really important. Those are just some of the things that I do. So, so let's go. There's just a couple of points. First of all, I, I talk about this. You're talking about the Socratic method. You know, people used to go to schools, horse and buggies. We used to look up things on card catalogs. (laughs) Things change, right? You know, right? You know, we live in a Snapchat world right now. We do. You know, I see it every yeah. day in my in my high school classroom. So that's where we have to help them get out of that quick thing and 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 delve into it. And that's what's great about this kind of stuff that we do. That we do this with leadership and and visualization. All this stuff is like 
verifying what we're doing is right. But what's crazy, right. I think, in our world is these kids are communicating. I'm, you know, I'm in my office right now doing this. My son's, my, my daughter's in bed, but my son's in the other room. Guarantee he's on his phone. But if I put him on a basketball court, <laughs> he'll say three words. You know what I mean? They don't, they, they, they communicate, but they don't really talk. I think that's the easiest way I've described it. They communicate, but they don't really talk yeah. to each other. Um, and that communication is what all these things that you just described really help. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, we've all heard or seen the quote from Doc Rivers. If you're not talking, you're not playing defense. And um, I'm a big defensive coach. Right. And I was fortunate to work with Harry Sheehy at Williams, who's now the director of athletics at Dartmouth, and, you know, with Steve Lamy at Grove City, and arguably one of the best teachers I've ever been around, Steve Lamy. He's, he's, he's at Dartmouth now? Uh, uh, Harry Sheehy is. Yeah, he's the athletic director there. And, and wow. he was an incredible coach at Williams. Yeah, I was his assistant in his final team, 99-2000. Well, I'm sending one of my players and, to Dartmouth, and I'm a Dartmouth grad. So, wow, small world. Oh, okay. Well, everybody, yeah, I hope Harry. you're enjoying the podcast as much as I am. A couple things you could do for us. Um, if you're really liking these, please go over and subscribe and link. We would really do appreciate that. It does mean a lot to us. We would also ask that you go over and check out teachhoops.com. Make a commitment to your coaching. Say that I am going to become a better coach. This community is there. It helps us keep the lights on at Coach Unplugged, but it also you know, has resources and videos, and I would put it up second to none on the, on the web. Um, a lot of these... A lot of these sites are stagnant. I am there. I'm answering emails. I've already got calls for tomorrow. I am in there. I'm in the community. I'm there to help you. So go over and check it out. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, here is the AD there now. He's a Williams guy, and, and I was fortunate in 99-2000. I, I left a head coaching job at Calvary Bible College in, in Missouri and Kansas City and, and uh, went out and worked for free for him. You know, uh, did my mentorship for my master's degree when I was 29 years old. And I, I just tell, turned 29. and I tell all these young coaches, I said, if you want to go do something, go volunteer, work at a camp. If you want to get your name out there, yeah. people just need to learn who you are. <laughs> I mean, it's well, crazy. and, 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 you know, it, it, with regard to that, you know, the marketing of in networking, I talk with all my students, I teach for six universities online and, and, um, you know, so I stay pretty busy, but you know, mo most of my students don't understand that, you know, the only way that you're going to really climb any ladders is to know the right people and, and to show them what you're worth and the work ethic you have. Now, for me, you know, the whole Ireland thing, it came from working at a camp in, in Racket Lake, New York in 1991. I was there for five summers and I met the basketball coach. There was a guy named Kieran Murphy and, and we've developed a great relationship. He gave me my very first team in the summer of 1991. I, I coached the camp, uh, the Racket Lake camps under 12 team at a tournament and I was 20 years old, just turned 21 that summer. And, you know, networking is incredibly important. And I think too many people think that you just, that we all just arrive. Well, let's be real. I mean, no one just arrives. No, no. I mean, and everyone thinks that's the way it works and it isn't. So let's go back to the sports psychology thing. Um, so sure. what would what would you tell what would you tell somebody that's listening to this? Other than those, I mean, first of all, I'm going to do all of those this summer. I think those are great. Um, but what yeah. would you tell what would you tell other than maybe going and getting their masters in it? What what would you just tell a, a you know a, a high school coach in Iowa? You know what could they do mm -hmm. for the team as far as sports psychology goes? Well, I think one of the greatest uh, web pages you can go to is. Um, 
you know, you can go find all sorts of sports psychology web pages out there, but the AASP webpage, it's uh, the, oh gosh, Association of Applied Sports Psychologists. Um, you just go find it online, go Google it, of course. Um, there's the a ton of great I'll, it, I'll find it. I'll find it and put it in the foot, footnotes for people that are listening. So, yeah, don't, that's don't a great place don't to stop go. running, is what I always tell people. I figure everyone's driving or running and they're listening to these things. Don't, oh, sure, absolutely. Don't yeah, okay, keep yeah, going. that I mean, I think going to the going to find sources like that, I mean, that's a great source. Another person to look up is one of our students, Stu Singer, um, and I don't have his information right in front of me, but if you put in sports psychology, Stu, S-T-U, Singer, like, you know, S-I-N-G-E-R, you'll be able to find his webpage. Um, he has a lot of great stuff that he, he does. And, and then um, the other thing, too, is, you know, if you can find a sport psychology professional in your area, take advantage of using them. You know, I think that the you know, I work basically, I, what I'm doing is teaching and preparing people to go into that world, you know, when right. they get their master's or their doctoral degrees. And, um, so I think that's the other thing I just like in the one thing that a lot of coaches don't understand. And, you know, we have so many, um, uh, you know, great resources, like your videos are wonderful resources. Right. I, I watch them all the time and I follow you uh, on Twitter and like a lot of stuff, pretty much all the stuff you put up. But the, we, have, we have those sources in doing drills and everything else. But the thing is, you know, there are sources out there for sports psychology, too, that are just chock full of information for the, the, the you know, the lay person like us, you know, or, right. you know, most coaches that are, don't want to go and get a master's degree in it. But, you know, it doesn't have to be anything, you know, crazy, uh, uh, you know, confusing. It's just, right. you know, like uh, the stuff I just shared. I mean, how, you know, that's not confusing. That's no. just, just thinking through stuff. So right. um, I, that's I, what I would say. Yeah. And I, and I think, I, and I think this is again, for the young coaches out there, even the veteran ones, you know, I always think about all the different, all the different things I think of in terms of math, all the different things I need to be able to teach them. I need to be able to teach them the game of basketball, but I also need to teach them right. how to handle adversity. I also need to teach them how to get stronger. I also need to teach them how yep. to eat properly because their their bodies are engines, and when they go to McDonald's, they're not feeding. So it's <laughs> like you know, I I've dealt with people as far as nutrition and what we need to eat and when we need to eat it, and it's tournament time, and then you know, so this is really one piece that I think gets lost in that shuffle a little bit from a coaching standpoint. Yeah, from someone that's done it a long. It totally time. does. Yeah. 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 yeah, it does. I mean, for me, like, yeah, I think uh, one of the things with, with sports psychology services or just doing anything, I mean, it's just, it's little things, but like, you know, a lot of people don't even think about competitive anxiety. They don't think about sports self-confidence. They don't think about, um, you know, panic. They don't think about any of those things, but kids go through it. Adults go through it. You know, it's, uh, it's just the way it is. And if we, it's how we handle it, uh, Steve. I mean, that, that, that's it in a nutshell, right. how we handle it. Yeah, we and we all have it. All right, so let me let's go do some basketball specific questions here. Um, sure. All right. So if you could only do three things at a basketball practice, what would they be? Oh well, first and foremost, I would do um, anything shell related defensively. Um, you know, one of the things that a lot of times people don't want to do that in a practice, but you can be extremely creative in how you do it um, where you're doing more closing out. You're doing more work like that. So 
Uh, I would say the other thing would be really working, uh, doing a, a kind of a shooting workout in every practice where you, you go through different um, uh, kinds of um, different kinds of moves, finishing moves, you know, whether it be Euro steps, pro hops, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and then the other thing, and this might sound, you know, this may sound crazy to some coaches, but man, just get them up and down the floor and play a little bit. You know, I mean, uh, one thing about Ireland that was really just refreshing for me, and I'd be more happy to share about my experience. Of it. it was crazy. Uh, it was great. But um, the, the thing is, you know, I had a, an hour and 15 minutes to do a practice. And so I basically supersetted everything. And, you know, but at the end of practice, those kids, you know, they worked hard for 45 minutes. They want to get 20 minutes of scrimmage in. Right. I'm like, okay, I don't, I want them to love the game. So I think getting up and down the floor, you know, for me, uh, you know, I've always been a drill, drill, drill kind of coach and, uh, and I still am, but the thing is kids, they want to play and, and uh, that less. doesn't mean I'm going to go. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I've been, I've been less. My, my, my practices, first of all, have gotten shorter as I've gotten older because I think their attention spans and I'd rather have a good hour 20 than a two hour. That's horrible. And, and, yeah. and a lot of the stuff that we do is up and down the court. A lot of it's, again, it's my, it's my whole Snapchat theory that things are quick in and out. Boom, boom, boom. You know, I'm not going to spend 25 yeah. minutes on our motion offense. If it isn't working, I'm going to spend three and then I'm going to go home and figure out what I can do the next day to make it better. Um, Cause you just, yeah. Um, so yeah, talk, talk about well, Ireland a little bit too, when you come back here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I was over there for eight months and, you know, uh, Kieran Murphy, the guy I talked about earlier, who was a camp coach at Ragged Lake Boys Camp in New York right. State, he got in touch with my wife and I in fall of 2015. And, and he said, hey, uh, you know, my wife and I, by the way, we're full-time RVers, so we live a pretty cool life. Um, she's like, hey, uh, he sends me a message on LinkedIn. When are you and Candy going to bring that RV to Ireland? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm not putting an RV on a boat or anything. But right. I said, what do you have in mind? And so... You know, we had our 20th anniversary in the fall of 15 there. And, and, uh, and I said, uh, what do you have in mind? He's like, well, come, why don't you come over? I'll put you up for free in the, we have housing on the, in the school. And, Cause it was a long time boarding school right. and, uh, I'll, you know, it'll be free. We'll give you free meals, free housing. All you got to do is just do some coaching for us. I'm like, well, shoot, I, where, do, where can I sign up? So Kenny and I, uh, bought our tickets, went over and spent five weeks there, like a week and uh, Villafranche-sur-May, which is outside of Nice, and then we took a one-week one cruise in Norway, and we spent some time in Great Britain and whatever, And but we just fell in love with Ireland when we were over there, and um, I had a chance to interview for, uh, I sent my resume into Basketball Ireland at the time, they had a couple of uh, coaching opportunities within their national program from uh, under 15 up to senior men and women, and so I thought, well, why not? I'll just see what happens, and uh, they got in touch with me and interviewed me, and course i went home Kenny and i both did right and we just before we left we put in a uh a proposal uh to come back and work for the rest of the school year at saint mary's college which is the catholic school that kieran was a principal at and so they approved it on our flight home and so we were back november 9th and i was fortunate to go over there and i i worked i work currently as a technical consultant for basketball ireland which is the governing body the FIBA governing body of basketball in the in the in Ireland. And then, um, we worked at St. Mary's. And so I did practices five days a week with the St. Mary's kids. And then I would go and watch all of the teams, the national teams in Ireland and kind of just 
see what they were doing. And they asked me to do a report, tell them what was good, what was bad, what needed to change. And hey everybody, hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe, like, jump up and down, review, do whatever you got to do. Um, also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great. Sports Social Podcast Network.